Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is vub. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Season 7 of the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. You may have heard our guest's comedy album, Prehistoric, on Spotify. If you haven't, you should. You know him. We love him. The Raspy Rapscallion. It's Patrick Cunningham. Yeah! Patrick! <laughs> hey, buddy! It's so good to be back. Oh, it's so good to see you and hear your voice. Oh, that's that that raspy tone just gets in all the in all the curves of my brain and the little cuckolds of my heart. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. You know, it's funny. I, I I really I was waiting for my voice to smooth out when I quit smoking a few months ago. This is just how I sound. <laughs> well, we love it and we wouldn't have it any other way. So here we are in January, first episode of the season, uh, first episode of a new show, uh, first episode of 2024. Uh, how was your holidays? How's uh, the family? How's Philadelphia? How's it? How are things shaking out for you? Things are really good. Things, uh, the holidays were excellent. I got to got to spend them with my uh, with my brother and his uh, his four children down in. Uh, down in Virginia, oh, had a really nice. nice time there. Uh, yeah, you know, my my, my wife is uh, an inspiration of a human being and uh, is just absolutely killing it. You know, we, we got knocked down by some medical stuff last year, but this year we're uh, we're kind of coming out the gate swinging. I'm feeling good, feeling good about 2024. Nice, nice. Well, I'm sure, um, you know, you've already seen the episode. You're a big Trek fan. You've been on this show multiple times at this point. But what was it like jumping back into Strange New Worlds? I mean, we're at, uh, you know, we're still between season one and two. And because of the strike, we're not looking for any new episodes, probably till 2025. So with that being said, you know, it's kind of fun that we're starting Strange New Worlds now. We've got a whole year to cover these two seasons. But what was it like sort of revisiting the pilot episode, Strange New Worlds? No, it was it was honestly really great because I haven't gone back and watched it since it first came out. Ah. Also, if you recall the last episode I did with you, uh-huh. episode of Discovery. Yep. Where where Captain Pike uh finds out his fate. Yes. There's a lot of fallout about that in this oh, episode yeah. that gets fleshed out. So much gets fleshed out. This episode might be and, and I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. I have a lot of thoughts about it, but it's uh it's I think it's an excellent episode of television. What a good episode. Yeah. As you know, as we do, we're going to try to stay spoiler free for this first part here. But one of the things that I noticed, of course, you know, revisiting your last episode here on the podcast and, you know, especially when juxtaposed with uh, the pilot episode of Strange New Worlds is looking at Pike finally with some downtime and all the stuff has kind of sunk in of like, 
you know, we see him, his hair's gotten longer. He grew the beard. He looks fantastic. But at the same time, he doesn't look like the sharp, clean cut captain that we're used to seeing on Discovery and now Strange New Worlds. But it's kind of that everything that he experienced, especially coupled with the knowledge of your own end. I wonder, and if if you're not comfortable talking about this, we, we can cut it or discuss something else. But as a former military man. Yeah. Were things different? Did you see some of your own experience reflected in Pike in the cabin of like, okay, now I have time to relax and quite, you know, literally and metaphorically let my hair down. You know, was there anything that stuck out to you about that? Absolutely. Yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that because honestly, yeah, I'm not uncomfortable talking about that at all. Uh, And it's one of the things that I've Star Trek has always been really good about addressing trauma Mm, mm -hmm. like deep space nine it's not for you you're not going to be getting to that for a while so i think it's fair to say nog's story arc on deep space nine unbelievable picard has dealt with ptsd multiple times over yeah um both the picard show the movies tng i mean jean-luc has major ptsd in his own way, Chief O'Brien has PTSD. He doesn't trust Cardassians at all no. for good reason, even when they yeah. become allies, which yeah. is a Cardassian ever really your ally? Anyway, <laughs> but like, I think, and I said this in the episode before, and I, re- I recall saying this, what an absolute G yeah. Captain Pike is to know his fate, to know exactly how it's going to turn out. He was given that choice and he chose to save the day by being burdened with this information. Yeah. He saw it all. He knows exactly how it's going. And instead of just going, well, if this is how it ends up, I'll just jump off a bridge or something. He's not doing that at all. He's he's still out there being annoyingly inspirational. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so inspirational. He gives Captain America speeches. He, he does gives captain america speeches like he's so good he also by the way i will tell you one thing i do love about him is he is the only starship captain that when he gives those speeches he sounds like a uh airplane captain this is your uh captain speaking and uh we're <laughs> we're coming in at a warp factor uh two and, uh, it's i don't know um basically yeah, I think that they did a really, really, really good job of Anson Mount absolutely knocked it out of the park. The writing team knocked it out of the park. They handled this so perfectly, and they easily could have just done this the the scene in the beginning, yeah, and left it at that. But it was peppered throughout the episode, but not in a way that it dominated the entire episode. Yeah, yeah, I think. Having those, I mean, they set out to do this, uh, and I can't remember if it was uh, Kurtzman or uh, or somebody else involved with the production, but I remember when they announced Strange New Worlds, and they said, they made a big point to say that we were returning to the episodic format. However, the character arcs are what is going to be serialized, and I thought that was such a great direction to go because right out of the gate yeah this stuff happened you know back in discovery and people's stories life doesn't really stop it keeps going 
And yep. so the things that happened yesterday have brought you to today and will set the stage for tomorrow. And we see that right off the bat with Captain Pike. And honestly, pretty much everybody that appears on screen, if we have not seen them before and we're getting the, the first glimpses of these characters, this sets the stage for every episode that follows, at least to this point through season two. And I think they did such a fantastic job. Uh, do you have anything else to hit before we get into the recap? Not really. Just honestly, I mean, amazing character development across the board with like establishing who everyone is and how they know each other. And, you know, you got Cadet O'Hara and you've got, you know, you've got Una and Leon and they they have their existing relationship. Captain Pike has his existing relationship with uh, his existing relationship with Una. We see a little, we get a little glimpse into his romantic relationship. Yeah. Get a little bit of a glimpse in, into Spock and T'Pring's relationship. Yes. That because any fan of the original series knows there's an episode that the beginning of an episode. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, and it's so funny because because of the way it's delivered. Yeah. And I mean, we're kind, of, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but I do want to make this point before we jump into the recap. There's the way that she delivers that line of I'm not going to I'm not going to chase you across the galaxy. Even mm-hmm. if you've never seen a single frame of the original series, it's delivered in such a way where it's like, that sounds like a setup. I bet something's going to happen down the road. <laughs> There's a lot of that in this episode. And I don't want to get ahead of it, but yeah, there's a lot of that in that this episode. There's so many lines that why is it always an alley? Like <laughs> it is always an alley. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I I can tell that we are both just chomping at the bit to make a to make a horse reference here. Uh, but we are just raring to go to talk about this episode in, in as much detail as possible and just nerd gush all over it. But before we do that, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antamano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, David Willett, Ed Milner, Fleet Admiral First Class Fred Sims, and Ren, and Space Monkey 73. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. In the 23rd century, the universe grows smaller every day, and the threat of aggression by any group, anywhere, can no longer be tolerated. There must be security for all, or no one is secure. Now, this does not mean giving up any freedom, except the freedom to act irresponsibly. Your ancestors knew this. We of the other planet have long accepted this principle. We have an organization for the mutual protection of all planets and for the complete elimination really? of aggression. Really? Again? Of any such <laughs> Come on, it's a Mm, more coffee, Captain Batum. Don't mind if I do, Captain Pike. 
still haven't decided. Hmm. Enterprises and space dock for another week. That's ages. Pancakes were good. Phone's ringing again. Yep. You ever gonna answer? So when do you ship out? Chris. We can keep doing this, but we can also talk about it. Talk about one. Whatever it is you're so busy not talking about. Whatever happened out there. Whatever's got you questioning your return to command. Whatever's got you questioning. Yes? Everything. It's classified. Got deeper security clearance than you do. Not for this. I ship out tomorrow at 0600. Back in a month. Hey. I might still be here. So, give me a call and we'll get together. It'd be nice. I like that. But I really hope you're not. You got better places to be. Admiral Robert April recalls a reluctant pike from shore leave after Una goes missing during a first contact mission. And on that note, we cue the music. Later, aboard the Stamets, all scrubbed up and good as new, sir. Wish it were that easy. Sir? Energize. Pike confides in Spock, who's just become engaged to T'Pring. And there was much rejoicing. That he saw a vision of his own paralysis when he touched the time crystal on the Klingon planet Boreth in Discovery Season 2, Episode 12. They traveled to Kylie 279, a planet presumably named after an uncreative high school cheerleader's internet handle. The planet's civilization is actually in a similar state to 21st century Earth, so on the brink of civil war. They've reverse-engineered a weapon from Starship Warp Drives after witnessing the events of Discovery Season 2, Episodes 13 and 14. Pike Acting First Officer Lon Noonien Singh, we'll get to that later, and Spock rescue number one from captivity and convince the planet's population not to use the weapon, effectively breaking Starfleet's General Order 1. Enterprise avoids repercussions because of the top-secret nature of Discovery. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> but Starfleet doubles down on the rule by renaming it the Prime Directive. Pike recommits to his role and captains the Enterprise on a new five-year mission of exploration. And there was much rejoicing. Hi, I'm Bonnie Gordon, the voice of the USS Protostar on Star Trek Prodigy. You're listening to the Computer Resume podcast. Okay, so one other thing that did hit me uh that i wanted to mention before i forgot and I, I we we praise the writing uh which is of course is understandably it's spectacular we praise the performances 
which also are wonderful, iconic performances uh, with big shoes to fill in in many of these in many of these roles. Um, and the special effects, it, you know, it's made very recently, so the special effects look amazing. Uh, and and they've got the budget for it. But one thing I do want to uh, put there, put out there on Front Street is the production value of those scenes with Pike on horseback through the snow. Like, I mean, we we've seen enough behind the scenes to know like they are shooting on very special sets that are in the round, and it's a lot of digital. But he's in a full gallop. Oh and yeah, that, and that is thick snow, which means they went somewhere with really thick snow and a real horse, and they Those shot that in Canada. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I imagine that's they were somewhere in west Western Canada. Yeah, uh, more than likely. Yeah, I mean I know that they mostly film in Vancouver. Apparently, uh, everyone who's ever done the show, and you've been been around more people, but they all love going to filming filming in Canada now. Oh like, yeah, apparently <laughs> it's all mostly all filmed and filmed in Canada. Yeah, it's one of the things. Even even episodes uh, as as rare as they were, the episodes that were shot um, on a backlot or mm-hmm. on an actual location. Of course, Vasquez Rocks being you know one yeah. of the most iconic Star Trek locations, but there yeah. were others. I always loved that they got off the set, that they got out of the backlot, and that they actually went to a real location. And shot there because of how beautiful it was or the, you know, the uniqueness of the grounds that they were in. And of course, TNG doubled down on that and did a lot of that. Um, And I always I always really appreciated that because it seemed to me to sort of ground it in reality. Um, I just came back from three weeks uh, in the UK with my wonderful wife, executive producer, Kat Davis. Uh, We spent. Christmas uh, in Edinburgh, um, New Year's in London. Uh, we went to uh, Wales and explored Cardiff for all you Doctor Who fans. It was amazing. <laughs> and then we actually stayed in a castle in Ireland for a few days before coming back home. But uh, all that to say, I saw, you know, up close, these exotic locations that look right out of a movie for most most of them they have been in at least one movie or more um you know you as a former uh soldier um spent some time abroad and i'm sure you saw your fair share of just amazing landscapes and wonderful architecture um you know talk a little bit about seeing some of that stuff in your life did any of it does any of it stick with you did any of uh what we see here in strange new worlds especially you know stuff like pike on horseback through the snow did any of that hit you a little bit differently in terms of what we've seen before in star trek and you know things that you've experienced in your own life and your own travels i mean honestly well they they did a really good job of finding that like especially where pike lives which again i think it's supposed to be like wyoming right uh yeah i think or i thought it was bear montana oh is it montana i knew i think it was in montana yeah either way they did a really good job of making you realize oh man pike kind of has an idyllic existence and you almost like don't want him to go captain the ship just tell them absolutely not and just ride around in the snow. Like I don't, I, a lesser man would have just stayed in his idyllic snowy paradise 
Yeah. He hung out with his horse all day. It's not like he needs to earn a living anymore. Everyone's got replicators. Money doesn't exist. Yep. But yeah. Grow your, grow your beard out, make pancakes, watch old sci-fi movies. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Let's talk about that. I love the fact that we open like like right out the gate he's watching um um oh my god the day the earth stood still the day the earth stood still with 1951 yep. right yep. like like an old old sci-fi movie and kind mm -hmm. of kind of like a little nod to the original series because straight up like it's it's well documented that roddenberry got the idea to make star trek wagon train to the stars Partially because of the way of because of the way that that movie was received, mm, mm, mm. and and so I think it's such a cool little nod. Yeah. Uh, by the way, another nod in this show that I love that people need to talk about: not one but two Major Barrett characters on this cast. Nurse Chapel, Una, number one. Oh, that's right. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Major Barrett characters. Yeah. I don't yeah. Major Barrett uh, get a little love in this show. She got twice as much love as everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it's such a fun, you know, for anyone who's just kind of a surface level Star Trek fan, uh, first of all, welcome. And uh, no. <laughs> uh, secondly, you know, uh, Star Trek has a fascinating history of the production alone of, you know, Gene Roddenberry's wife, uh, Major Barrett, playing number one originally in the pilot episode, the cage. And then when that pilot episode got shopped around, they were like, nah, you can't, you can't have a woman on the bridge. That's not going to work. Da, 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 da. And, um, and Gene said, yeah, uh, you know what? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll change it up. So he made her the nurse and instead put a black female, <laughs> a Russian cosmonaut and a Japanese pilot <laughs> on the bridge. Like, how do you like me? How do you like me now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? And you yeah. know what? going to love it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Lucille Ball went absolutely green. Yes. Oh, give it up for Lucille Ball. Thank you so much, Lucy. Lucy. Oh, <laughs> we truly love you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's get into uh, a few more details here. Uh, I noticed that the, uh, the shuttlecraft taking Pike up to taking Pike up to the ship named Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Mid that is such a clever thing to do because mm -hmm. you realize that to the rest of the Federation, Stamets was one of the heroes of the Klingon War yep. who died, who perished along with the rest of the Discovery. Yeah. You know, he's just a, a science hero that died. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Nope. Really, totally alive, but just 900 years in the future. But yep. <laughs> I don't know that. Well, <laughs> That was the other thing, you know, um, we see it when uh, Admiral Robert April shows up in Montana and a couple of other times where Pike has to discuss what happened, quote unquote, what happened with Discovery and, you know, why he's acting the way he is. And he gets to say those words that are terrifying and badass at the same time. It's classified. Yeah, that's such a great I mean, it's again, terrifying of like. Oh man, like if you weren't interested before, you probably are now. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, being able to see that that kind of covers all your bases and knowing what a burden it is. You actually talked about 
him being burdened with this knowledge. And if you recall back to, I guess it was Avengers, Thanos talking to Tony Stark. Stark, you know me? I do. You're not the only one cursed with knowledge. Us being comedians, we are not on the scale of <laughs> titans or geniuses or starship captains. Uh, but as comedians, we get to see behind the curtain of how the sausage is made. We are burdened with that knowledge. And for a lot of, for, you know, stand-up comedy, which brings joy and laughter to so many people, it kind of is lessened for those who do it. Uh, any thoughts about being burdened with knowledge? Oh, man. I mean, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of that, right? Like, yeah. I get a little bit of that as a former military person. Oh, yeah. I get a little bit of that with comedy. Like, it's, it's you know, when you make a friend and they're like, you know who I really like? And then they name, like, a comic that you know is kind of a creep or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, you want, you want, every part of you wants to be like, oh, dude, that guy sucks so much. Like, just as a person. But you, yeah. you have to bite your tongue and you're like, oh, that's great for you. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm 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 sure their new special was excellent. I'm sure yeah, it was yep. great. I'm sure it was... Oh I, oh I love that for you. Thank you. That, yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you enjoy them. Yeah, no, being burdened with that stuff. And and that's the thing too. Imagine, like, I mean, I I'm one of those people, like, this is the thing. Fortunately, I haven't while I have been in my my current relationship, I have not, not had a top secret clearance job. I had one when I was in the army, but at the time my ex-wife didn't care what I did. So she never asked me any questions. Yeah. My, I could not come home from something like that and just not tell my wife what happened. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a former law enforcement officer, yeah. as, a form, as a former paralegal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh, you, you, you can't talk about this. Oh, okay. Hey, honey. <laughs> yeah. God, every person I know that like that their spouse knows everything that it's not 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 Captain Captain Pike by damn like he's not she Ooh. he didn't he was buttoned up about it, didn't say anything just nothing yeah. and she's trying to guess and so your partner is supposed to be your built-in support system and he can't get support from it he can't talk to a therapist about this he can't talk to an AI about it. He can't talk to, to to a psychiatrist. There's no one like he talks to the one other person that he can talk to about this. And that happens a little bit later, which was someone who was there. Yeah. Someone who's there. Someone who knows. Yeah. <laughs> someone who probably should be even more emotionally is probably just as emotionally bent out of shape about the entire situation for the fact that he essentially lost a family member yeah uh you know looking at uh what happens to her later on down the line the person who's not cleared for that information who ends up getting information about time travel is the person who time travels lon noonian singh which that is the whole that kind of sets up this she has this forbidden knowledge about time travel you know yep. because they let slip what happened then she herself becomes burdened with knowledge of events, not only of future events, but of events in a parallel universe. Like the ramifications of that have been dissected 
at length on the internet. Just Google Lon Noonien sings fault on, on YouTube. You'll, you'll find a plethora of videos, but uh, you know, it's so funny to see, like, again, we're talking about these things that get set up here in this pilot episode that pay off down the line. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. Let's, let's jump to, let's jump to that first opening scene before, before we see Pike on the horse, we see this underground military bunker, uh, you know, things happening and it looks very modern day and we go and find out, oh, this isn't earth. It's we're somewhere else. <laughs> Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do we feel about the, um, you know, looking at things and being able to reverse engineer them? I mean, you hear that with kids who end up becoming uh, engineers and inventors. What what are the, what do their parents always say? He was uh, they were always taking apart the toaster oven, taking apart the microwave, <laughs> taking apart televisions like that's a thing that happens. Yeah. But they were able to just looking at like, oh, so this thing folded space. Got it. Understood. They were yep. able. To... <laughs> yeah, Un it's so, first of all, I want an entire standalone miniseries about the scientists that reversed engineered warp technology from watching it through a telescope. Yeah, because I think uh, from the end of Discovery season two to this episode is only like it's only a few months. A few like months. Yeah. yeah, it's not long. So they got cracking. They got cracking on that quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in a few months, they were like, guys, I figured it out. <laughs> we're going to make the best bomb ever. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but uh, I didn't even tell you this. This this episode plays right into one of my usually irrational, totally rational fears. Which okay. Is of nuclear annihilation very oh, yeah very 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 rational based fear but mm -hmm. like especially now but uh i like watching this episode like this episode hits different in 2024 <laughs> oh yeah well i i you know because strange new worlds um is a paramount plus original it lives on streaming you know even even though all of that I remember sitting and watching it on the premiere day. And when it gets to that moment where he beams into the middle of the argument, says, yeah. hi, just to let you know, we're not so different. Hey, look at this video package that happened actually a few months ago. <laughs> and it is, it is sobering, yeah. horrifying, shame filling of just, Oh, that's where we are as a species. Like, oh man. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Um, I think and and again, I, I set all that up to to be like, you know, especially in that moment, even though it's all streaming, I could almost collectively hear the fandom just kind of jaw drop, gasp, you know, clutching of pearls, as it were, and just like. Oh yeah, science what? fiction comments on society. Did he say anything? All all they did was draw out, actually put on screen something that has been referenced a million times within Star Trek. That this is how it starts. Yep. Or, or the Star Trek origin is 
uh, there's kind of a little bit of a uh, fascism going on in uh, uh, on Earth in the 20, 21st century, and then everyone does nuclear war to each other, and someone, then a crazy guy in Montana decides to repurpose a nuclear weapon, and that's how we get warp flight. Whoops. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I but mean, I mean, when looking at all that stuff, you know, one of the things, um, you know, for folks out there who are listening to the show, first of all, to the dozens of you, thank you. Um, but if you've listened to our very first episode, our sort of, uh, mission statement, as it were, of what, what we wanted this show to be mm-hmm. an ex, not only an exploration of, uh, the Star Trek franchise, of course, in chronological order, but also taking a look at how we might get to Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and knowing that throughout the franchise, there's always some Federation officer explaining to someone who doesn't know, you know, they always end up asking like how much the ship costs or how much the officers get paid or something like that. And they go, oh, well, you know, such and such happened and now we're here. Uh, there's no, there's no, um, there's no disease, no war. Yep. And, oh, what's the third one? There's no disease, no war, and and no money. Yeah, that's that's usually and and again, I'm paraphrasing. It's you know, it's phrased along those lines. Yep. And that's a tall that's a tall order. That's a tall order. That's a tall order for any society. And I think here, as as this podcast has gone on, we've kind of set that aside just because I've talked with some smart people, some enlightened people, some creative people. Yeah. And I and I know that they're no closer to an answer than I am. So that kind of that that element of our show got kind of put on the back burner. Sure. But here one of the things that we did was I attended my first midnight mass. Um I you know as a law enforcement officer most of the time I worked. I worked third shift, I worked holidays. I didn't really get a chance to do that particular aspect of the holidays. But we went to a midnight mass in Edinburgh, happened to be the church's 900th anniversary. Which is, that alone was staggering. Yeah. Um, but the, the message was pretty simple. Christmas, Christmas is free. You know, what are we doing with our resources? And I, again, I'm paraphrasing parts of this very short uh, Christmas, uh, uh, Christmas service that I attended. But the idea of putting your resources towards something else and then and you know that's that always well why should i give my stuff away okay all right that's fair yeah look at it this way by doing that you're putting your resources towards the future and for sci-fi fans isn't that that's that's one of the big things that we want like we want that utopian uh future again the the you know uh of Gene Roddenberry's imagination where we're all zipping around on jetpacks and we've got faster than light travel and stuff like that. But we're so afraid of letting things go that nobody's going to move forward. And I've said it, I've said it before in episodes, like if we're going to reach for the stars, if we're going to move forward, we have to reach sideways first because yep. nobody get nobody gets there alone. So uh, that's that is the end of my soapbox on this issue for for now anyway. <laughs> I, I have 
I think I think every responsible Trek fan has soapboxed this exact thing. I think you're just putting into words something that we've all thought for a long time. I mean, this this the show, the franchise is a mission statement. Yeah, yeah. It's basically it's the reason I love Star Trek so much is it is what we could be. And it's not look, I am one of those people, and I think we've talked about this. There's always the Star Wars, Star Trek. I love both of them. Okay, yeah, me too. Do. But if I have to pick, the reason I always go with Star Trek is that it's not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's mm-hmm. like 20 years from now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then 100 years from now, and then 200 years from now, and then 300 years from now, and then 1,000 years from now. Yeah. And that's what makes it amazing. It's our immediate future, and it's our immediate future. No one from Tatooine or the Dagobah system. You know what I mean? They're not on Caprica yep. or New Caprica. They're this is Earth. The headquarters is in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> w- Worf grew up in Belarus. Captain Jean-Luc Picard is from France. Our our captain lives in either Montana or Wyoming. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere where there's snow. <laughs> But all of those are quantifiable, real places that exist that you can go to. Yeah, and it's it's one of the best things about Star Trek. It's it's the immediate future, and like I feel like the people you can't like you can't like Star Trek and not just want the absolute best for the world. Yeah, and that's part of I think why I love other Trek fans so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and looking at. The other part of that mm-hmm. is honestly, even outside of a, even outside other science fiction franchises, most of them are not based on hope the way Star Trek is so oh. much. It's so much hope. <laughs> we're, we're so close. You guys We're so close. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that would bring in. The economic argument, the religious argument, the, you know, uh, there's tons of different arguments, but at the end of the day, does it really, does it really hold that much water? Ultimately, at the end of the day, humanity doesn't get to the stars without loving each other first. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's about like you, 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 you're not going to get anywhere if you're fighting with one another over arbitrary nonsense, like borders. Yeah. You know, Just, you know, all, all the the might makes right stuff needs to go out the window. We need to lose that as a society. And granted, yeah, we could go on for hours about how to fix society. But I, what I love about Star Trek mm-hmm. is that there is no fandom in no, that, that, ha, that has become a, there's no other fandom where you get people who have watched a show and gone, yeah, this has influenced my entire worldview and ideologies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? It's one of those, like, I feel like the people who watch Star Trek are people who want to make the world a better place. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, at least, yeah, at least surface. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's Trek bros. Yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, like, you you know, that's a small sliver of the large of the larger picture here where Our fan base love the show because it's it's just hope in a bottle yes oh yeah 
absolutely. Um, do we have any other issues uh, or any other elements uh, of this episode to talk about before we get into the uh, before we get to the stat section? Anything else jump out at you? A couple of things. I, I made some notes. Did yeah. you notice the elevator music in the elevator scene? No. It is the original. The- it's the original series theme song. Done as music. That's so fun. I love that. And my wife pointed that out. Shout out to my wife. Uh, (laughs) And then the other thing is, I love that they keep referencing something that happened on Delta Delta Scorp I seven. And I love a few different people talk about it, and they're like, "Oh, don't get me started on Delta Scorp I Scorp I seven. I remember what happened on Delta Scorp I seven. And it is one of those things in pop culture that I absolutely love. It's like Budapest in the Avengers franchise. <laughs> you don't need to know anything other uh, about Budapest other than it was pretty heavy. And a few of the people here all have it as a shared experience. So yeah. I love that. Uh, let's see. I, I I also love, ultimately, at the end of the day, that right out the gate, in episode number one, Pike joins the proud tradition of Starfleet captain saying, screw the prime directive. <laughs> Love it. It's the ultimate tradition in Starfleet. It's it's yeah. like, are you a real captain until you've like found a way to walk around the prime directive once or twice to make things better? I love how I was like, well, this is our mess. We, we accidentally broke the prime directive to get here. Let's yep. on purpose break it to fix it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What an interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, you look at, you look at Kirk, who just, uh, it's, it, 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 the prime directive was just something that was stuck to the bottom of his shoe that he couldn't seem to get rid of. Picard always found a way to cleverly get around it while maintaining it. It was, you know, was the most fancy diplomatic footwork you've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, Cisco, I felt like dealt with so many things that were just kind of like, well, this isn't in the book. <laughs> exploring either for the most part right the cool the thing i love about captain cisco is captain cisco had to deal with a war space gods and like people worshiping him as space jesus like like he didn't have that at all and then captain janeway you kind of give her a pass on most things not too big um but you give her a pass on most things because she had you had when you're just trying to survive just and you don't know home. if you're ever going to get home. Yeah. You can't make it an omelet without breaking some eggs. A couple times, you're going to have to break the prime directive. Like she had the book and she read the book. She knows the book, but she also used the book to like prop up the wobbly table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? The fact that she's like, we're going to keep, we're going to stay a Starfleet unit and that's going to be our guiding principle. And even the Maquis people were like, it's a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah. Not a bad idea. It's not, Starfleet's got to got it figured out. Let's figure. Let's let's do this. Um, also, one last thing before we get into that, and kind of circling back to what we were just talking about. This show, this episode, might have my favorite line in Star Trek, Ooh. which is the true cost of a civil war is abstract. Yeah, it's such a heavy, heavy line. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it goes basically directly to the writing which i know not to not to set you up for it but let's go because i want to talk about how well written this episode is yeah uh you know on that note let's jump into it we we've we've spent the last uh 
the better part of uh, half an hour at least uh, praising this show and the people involved in front of and behind the camera. Uh, but as we do, especially with this show, which is better than any show has any reason to be. <laughs> but with something like that, we still have to ask the question, who do we blame? The story was written by Akiva Goldsman, who uh, the last writing that he did on the series was Discovery Season 2, Episode 2, New Eden, which was also a big eye-opener episode, you know, putting in, putting under the microscope the idea of religion, uh, you know, viewed through the Star Trek lens. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that episode uh, with Ian Starrecked Ramsey. That was back on episode 103. And Akiva Goldsman also did the teleplay for this episode. But uh, Goldsman also did the story uh, for this episode with Alex Kurtzman, whose last writing was Discovery Season 2, Episode 13 and 14, Such Sweet Sorrow, which is basically the finale of Season 2. Uh, we discussed that with Modifius Entertainment's Star Trek Adventures Project Manager Jim Johnson back on Episode 116. And of course, last but certainly not least, the legendary Jenny Lume, uh, whose last writing on the series was also Such Sweet Sorrow. Uh, the episode was also directed by Akiva Goldsman. Now, I didn't have chance to confirm this, but I think this might be the first instance of the writer directing the episode. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's happened. Thinking the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I it it I because you don't see that a lot. Like uh, you know, you you would. You know, you watch episodes of Deep Space Nine and it might have been like directed by LeVar Burton's. A lot of that show is directed by LeVar Burton. Oh, yeah. Um, And Frakes. But mm -hmm. like this show specifically, like you don't you don't see they never wrote those episodes. Yeah. It, you know, there's the, of course, legendary uh, directors program, kind of kind of a college level course that someone has to go through to direct star trek like and i i i have to believe that there's a writing equivalent mm -hmm. for that as well i've mentioned it a couple times here in on the podcast uh wired magazine back in the 90s did a wonderful wonderful article um titled uh it's, it's so, the idea is um can you write for star trek like how to write for star trek and Ooh. I think, yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a fantastic article, but you know, I want to read that. Oh yeah. It's still out there. Like it's, it's easy to find. Um, you can tell that the article actually starts with the writer kind of going through, oh, this is a day in the, a day in the life on Star Trek set, but it quickly turns into how to write for Star Trek. And they actually put a paragraph in that article that says, and they preface it with read the following paragraph and take note where you have an issue. And I got about maybe a third or close to halfway through before that first red flag went up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay. So, you know, I probably did okay. Got to the next paragraph after that. And that said, if the first sentence didn't send up multiple red flags, you can't write for Star Trek. And I was like, oh my God, what did I miss? <laughs> but it just goes to show. And I mean, we've talked about it on the show here before. They have consultants 
who work for NASA. Like these people know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They got even the performers. Patrick Stewart is a legendary Shakespearean actor, like the best of the best. Like this show is a far cry from just some sci-fi dribble that's on, you know, one of the local stations. Like, no, they're putting all the best feet forward yep. in, make, in making this show. So, you know, uh, Akiva Goldsman, uh, this is not the first episode he directed. The, the last episode he directed before this was actually season one, episode 15 of Discovery, Will You Take My Hand? And we discussed that with comedian Melly Kazel back on episode 101. And in terms of guest stars, like we've already talked about Anson Mount, Ethan Peck. Uh, we've talked about Rebecca Romaine. And we'll get to the rest of the regular cast members. But as we do, we always focus on the guest stars. We always focus on the character actors. So the one guy I want to talk about is Adrian Holmes as Admiral Robert April. So good. Just, just what a what a performance. Oh, yeah. He is absolutely amazing. Absolutely kills it in this. Uh, he is actually born uh, in Wrexham, Wales. Uh, when he was five, he and his family moved to Vancouver, Canada, where he eventually attended Langara College where he studied nursing. I thought that was an interesting uh, turn to go from studying nursing to being an admiral in Starfleet. His first credit was actually an episode of a Canadian TV show that I was not familiar with, but it's called Neon Rider uh, from 1991. Basically, the premise is a big city therapist slash writer is kind of tired of big city life. So they go out to their ranch in the country, wherever that is. And then they have the idea to bring troubled kids out there and teach them how to work on the ranch and teach them life lessons along the way. And it's, it's so many white people. Canadian. Yeah. Just, it's such a white. <laughs> I'm tired of big city life. Let me go to my cottage. I don't know if that's streaming anywhere. Cause I want to watch that. <laughs> well, um, now on neon writer, uh, Adrian Holmes may have met, one of the series' recurring actors, Jim Burns. Now, Jim Burns may or may not have paved the way for Adrian's next gig, which was two episodes of Highlander the series. I okay. absolutely love that show. Jim okay. Burns plays the Watcher, Joe, who ends up owning a jazz bar later and just looking like an absolute badass in every episode. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, let's go ahead and take a second and listen to some Queen, shall we? But yeah, the nerdy creds for Adrian Holmes don't stop there. He's done episodes of Mantis, Nightman, The Outer Limits, Beyond Belief with Two Takes Frakes, uh, The Twilight Zone, and The 4400. He's had five appearances in the Hot Wheels franchise, voicing Torque Maddox. Then he did episodes of True Calling, Flash Gordon, Kyle XY, Painkiller Jane, Andromeda Strain, BSG, and Fringe, created by J.J. Abrams. 
he's done three count them three stone cold steve austin movies <laughs> damage in 2009 hunt to kill in 2010 and tactical force in 2011 wow yeah have you seen any of those is nerd craig because uh i have i have seen hunt to kill i um yeah we didn't preface this but i i am uh you know uh to anybody who has not uh, heard me on here before i'm a little bit of a wrestling fan uh <laughs> don't call steve austin maybe one of my all-time favorite wrestlers nice uh i may have seen all of stone called steve austin's entire body of work which let's, <laughs> let's be honest is underappreciated he's wonderful yeah um, yeah 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 sorry i just yeah no, that's wonderful that's great oh. yeah He's also got some credits, uh, some episodes of Smallville and Human Target and V. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Oh, you're, you're good. It doesn't matter. I was just talking about Stone Cold. Go ahead. <laughs> he also played Demo Guy number two in 2011's The Cabin in the Woods with Star Trek alum Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor. <laughs> Love a, lot of, a lot of people forget he's in that movie, probably because he dies. Uh, spoiler alert. Um oh. Did you see Cabin in the Woods? Oh yeah, what a good movie! Oh, if you're if you consider yourself a horror movie fan, but like a, a, a fan of multiple, you know, horror movie staples, and you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, do yourself a favor. Get a it's it's worth owning. It's it's a wonderful wonderful movie that totally it's it so totally breaks down, but also enriches the horror fandom it's it's so this, great this is every trope yes the final yeah. girl everything all of it yeah <laughs> every trope and yeah it's such a good movie it's really yeah good. i am a i am a specific fan of any horror movie that fully addresses horror movie tropes yes yeah like, Sc have, scream scream of course tucker and dale versus evil oh yeah another good one um New Nightmare. Yes. Unfraided oh, movie. I love it. He's dead. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I, I, I love me some uh, some Robert Engel. I, I, I love some Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I do love the Freddy franchise for sure. Um, Adrian Holmes was also in Elysium as Manuel back in 2013, along with Star Trek alum Ferran Tahir. He actually played uh, the captain of the USS Kelvin, if you recall. J.J. Yeah. Abrams entry. Uh, he also voiced Mace Windu in Lego Star Wars, The Yoda Chronicles, and Droid Tales. And Adrian Holmes also has episodes of Continuum, Winona Earp, Supernatural, Letterkenny, Arrow, The Boys, with Star Trek alum Carl Urban, and Bel Air. Before this, his first appearance in the franchise, but not his last. Right. Yeah. So I think I know where both of us stand in terms of the next point, and it's almost ridiculous to even ask, but I will not break tradition. Here we are. We're going to ask the question for the first time in 2024. Is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the very first time and they come to this, the pilot episode of Strange New Worlds, is this one that they can skip or is this a must see episode not only do i think it's a must-see episode i would actually go on record and say i think it is of all of the trek series the strongest pilot 
Oh yeah, I, I, that is that is fair to say for sure. It's the strongest pilot. It's a really good episode of television. It was also, by the way, fun to rewatch it with my wife, who was watching it for the first time. Ooh! So okay. I, I got the added perspective of watching someone watch it for the first time, mm. and being like, "What a great episode of television!" I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect show." Yeah, I, I I would absolutely agree. Uh, I think if you've now now here's one of the things, and I and I think I might be guilty of this as well. Uh, recommending that people can actually start with Strange New Worlds. I don't know that you actually can, especially no, because yeah. I mean, I do feel like it is possible to watch this episode, watch this episode without seeing Discovery. I do think it having the having the privilege of having watched the pike and spock the really the the enter the current enterprise crew's experience the the fallout from discovery from the events of uh discovery season 2 yeah i think it enhances this episode and i fortunately have watched all of that that said i do like that they just straight up address it for like the kids in the back of the class, oh, like they're you know they're they're when Spock goes in and and kind of counsels counsels Captain Pike, they just talk about ah oh, yes that time you went down to the monastery and grabbed the time crystal and it showed you your immediate future. Yes, Spock, that is correct. That time I went to the monastery and I now know what my future is. By the way, that future is what we saw on the original uh, in the original series. Yeah. 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 I, I think I think they did do a good job of making it accessible for first time viewers. If you've never seen anything else, um, I think just because, you know, new Trek, as it is defined, you know, the five the five shows that started on Paramount Plus. Mm -hmm. um or cbs all access and then became paramount plus but it, uh those those five shows were all very different and discovery right out of the gate because we had not had regular prime universe star trek in a long time yeah broke a lot of molds mm -hmm. um they set the new standard they raised the bar but it was a little tricky right out of the gate then once they saw how the large uh, section of the fandom was so accepting, then they started, okay, maybe we can do it again. And they got lucky five times in a row with this entry probably being the strongest, as we've said so far in this episode. I think so. And I, I genuinely am a fan of, look, you know, my mantra, I've been on this show, what, four, four times now. Yeah. My mantra is if there's never a time when Star Trek is on my screen where I am upset about it. Right. Rare occasion that it's a bad episode featuring salamander mating rituals and <laughs> you know code of honor, uh, code or, of honor. Oh, you know, anything involving a kuchimoya, like any of those. <laughs> I'm still enjoying. I'm still glad it's on. Yeah, I, I might be because either I'm being blown away by how good something is, or I am laughing along with how was how did this happen. Yeah. How did this episode happen? Code of Honor. One of the funnest thing in the world is hearing Jonathan Frakes talk about Code of Honor. It's <laughs> so funny. He's like, get rid of it. Throw it away. There's not a reason it should exist. Uh, 
But there's never a time Star Trek is on my screen where I am upset about it. I am always happy it's on. And I, that means every version of it. The anim- yeah. animated series, which, by the way, have you seen uh, the short, short treks? I have not. And I'm 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 reluctant to. I'm going to tell you, I'm actually going to give you a cosign of why I think it's it's they are directed by Casper Kelly. Casper Kelly uh, is the director of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell uh, books. Yeah. They're really funny. They're all really, really good. So speaking of there's never a time when Star Trek uh, Star Trek is on my screen where they are all intentionally funny and they're just really great. I highly recommend that as like a side note from this episode. The short, short tracks are great. Short tracks are great. The short, short tracks are hilarious. Okay, oh. I I may end up doing that as some uh, some bonus content for the show. That that would be really that would be a lot of fun. Do all of them as one episode one time if you wanted to. Well, yeah, we'll we'll have, I'll have to take a look and see because uh, they you know I I've heard that they brought some cast members back who hadn't been on in a while and yeah. they play around with the animation style. They're they're it's all in that Hanna Barbera sixty style, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot a lot of it is. It's but most of it is done in the style of the animated series. The nice. so good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like I said, so there you go. If you needed to know exactly where it's coming from, I mean it's it's like an adult swim show. Okay. All right. Adult that... Star Trek. Nice. That's yeah. Not love. It's amazing. Which, which I mean, lower decks. Lower de- I think Lower Decks started like that, but I think they they quickly found out when most people were just like, oh, this is just as awesome as everything else in the franchise. It kind yeah. of, not that it, I don't think it departed from that, but it kind of doubled down on some things. And I was like, oh, and, and you know, I think now we're four seasons in on Lower Decks and it's just kind of, things are ramping up and they're, you know, it's getting, it's getting deeper. It's getting better. Uh, and, it, but at the same time, it's still just as fun. Uh, so anyways, we've kind of, we've kind of um, rabbit trailed off. Is this essential viewing? I think absolutely. I, I, I think they do a good job of addressing everything that was covered in discovery, hopefully enough to kind of entice you to go watch discovery and see what actually happened. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is a must see ups. Most of the pilots are, and like you said, of all the pilots, this is the strongest. So yeah, it is absolutely essential viewing. Well, uh, Patrick, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for carving out the time here at the beginning of 2024. We absolutely love seeing you. We absolutely love talking to you. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Do you have any parting thoughts uh as we start to wrap things up about the show about the franchise about another uh wonderful experience here on the computer resume podcast any parting thoughts before we go you know what um just that i i love you so much and i love that i you you are this is my favorite star trek podcast and you got some stiff competition if you even want to call it competition because uh, you know <laughs> you got like former cast members and stuff doing shows. Which shout out to all those guys, I love you all. But like Todd, you're you're the man. Oh, I love thank you, you so much, buddy. Okay. I love you too. Didn't even talk about the fact that they beamed a new eye into Spock. Whoa, yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> they beamed an eye into his eye. 
That is the thing. There you go. If you haven't seen this episode, which why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't? But if you haven't, or even maybe because I forgot about that. Mm, yeah, I did too. However, that's a thing that happens in this episode that I don't think they've ever done anything like that in Star Trek, right? I don't think so. No. Yeah. It's like, how are, and even the guy, even uh, Chief Kyle was just kind of like, I I don't know how to do that. (laughs) He's like, well, figure it out. It's okie (laughs) dokie. There you go. I think even Chief O'Brien would have been like, damn. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. All right. Well, folks, in two weeks on February 5th, we will be joined once again by the creator of Airship Enterprise editor and chief of independent comic book publisher antarctic press brian denham will be here to discuss strange new worlds season one episode two children of the comet which is available exclusively on paramount plus patrick where can people find you on the internet um follow me on uh follow me on uh instagram at young firestein that's y-u-n-g fire uh, like a rapper and uh Firestein like uh like Harvey Firestein F I E R S T E I N. Uh yeah, follow me on Instagram. That's where I uh I'm I'm a silly goose and upload pictures of my dog and my wife and my cat and sometimes my dog and my cat and sometimes my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?